Uh, so good morning. Uh, can I bring you greetings from Northern Ireland, from Crosby Coast Vineyard, which um, is the church I'm a, a part of in, on the north coast of Northern Ireland. Uh, I've been part of the, uh, the team there for over 18 years, and um, it's been a, an incredible journey uh, to be part of that, that faith community. Um, so I'd, I'd love to... I'd love to start by, by sharing one of the stories that has really encouraged me over the, over the years, uh, being part of, um, the Causeway Coast Vineyard. Uh, the, the church was planted about 19 years ago and, um, and about 17 years ago, as a church family, we decided to, to hold what we'd call uh, our Compassion Christmas Dinner. Uh, and that was, that was a Christmas dinner on Christmas Day for people that were financially in need or that were lonely and isolated in the community. And um, we had maybe about uh, 50 or 60 church members at the, at the time. And we were thrilled that, that, that over 20 people from the community turned up. Um, and we celebrated Christmas together. We had a great dinner. We sang a few carols. Santa even arrived and gave people a few presents, um, which is great. And that was the, the first day that we met uh, a guy called Paddy Ward. And uh, Paddy came with his with his wife to the Christmas dinner, and he was a fairly rough-looking man in his early 50s. Um, he was unemployed. Uh, him and his wife, Jean, were, were living in, in a tiny bed set, and uh, we would we would deliver groceries to them, and they would, they would be struggling financially and just struggling with a, a number of different things in life. Uh, and for the next few years, Paddy and his wife, Jean, began showing up to church uh, after this first engagement at the, the Christmas dinner um, and uh, I remember Jean would uh, she was diabetic but she would um, not just eat a lot of donuts but but take a few with her home in the bag um, which wasn't wasn't so good but uh, after about three years of, of uh, Patty and Jean coming uh, I'll never forget the Sunday where, uh, where as we gave an invitation for people to come to know Jesus Patty raised his hand and we'd had many conversations with them. Um, we were convinced that they were just coming for the donuts. Um, but but Paddy, Paddy gave his life to Jesus that, that Sunday morning. Um, and the change was dramatic. He just couldn't stop telling people about the Jesus that, that changed his life. A uh, short while after he came to faith, um, he got baptized in the sea, um, which is where we do our baptisms, which is, which is interesting and cold. Um, <laughs> Uh, and the, the following year, at the age of, of 58, Paddy got his very first passport and he joined us on a mission team to Romania to, uh, to serve widows and orphans in a, in a project there. And he enjoyed that so much that as soon as he got back, he signed up for another team to go to Slovakia. And um, we were training a church and uh, introducing healing on the streets over there. And Paddy went in that team and, and ended up uh, leading people to Jesus. And since then, every Saturday, you'll find him outside our town hall in Coleraine as part of the healing on the streets team. And on a Sunday morning, he, he's often there directing traffic and, um, and he's now part of, the, part of the family and every Christmas uh, Paddy returns to our Compassion Christmas Day uh, and co- our Compassion Christmas Dinner just a, a real symbol of what a simple meal can do to change our community one life at a time and about a year and a half ago, um, we had we built a new centre for all of our compassion ministry, and it was called the Hope Centre. And we we were thinking of having this official opening, and we we wondered, out of all of the honoured guests, we should have along uh, to cut the ribbon. Uh, what what distinguished person could we have uh, to to uh, invite to, to cut the ribbon at the the official opening? And then we just realised it had to be Paddy Ward, and there there may hopefully be a picture. <laughs> um, no. Uh, that's fine. Uh, so, so Paddy, <laughs> you can just imagine Paddy cutting the ribbon. <laughs> um, so, so Paddy cut the ribbon um, uh, for for the new Hope Centre, and um, 
just it was so significant that he was that person um, that that not just cut the ribbon but opened the doors of hope to, to many other people in the community like him and his wife Jean who came in um, just through a simple meal like our, our Christmas dinner um, and uh, so his party story encourages me because every Sunday I see him around and I'm reminded again of what, what God can, can do. Uh, and what, what I want to share this morning is something that's very close to my heart. And it's, it's um, I suppose my role as, as part of uh, the church now is to oversee our compassion ministry, which is uh, overseeing a, a charity that we run that tackles poverty uh, in the community. And what I'd love to share is, is how, how do we as the local church go about the task of tackling poverty uh, the poverty that exists on our doorstep. How do we restore dignity and revive hope to people whose lives that are broken? And we're going to be looking at our kingdom mandate um, that we've been given the minister to the poor, uh, the marginalised and the disadvantaged, and how we demonstrate God's love and compassion practically. But to, to fully appreciate the mission of the church, um, it's really important that we understand the mission of Jesus because the mission of Jesus is the mission of the church. So what was Jesus' mission? Um, why did he come? Uh, if we look in, uh, in Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus made a statement that really sums up why he came. So for, for him it was the Sabbath day, he was in his, uh, his synagogue and he started to read from the, the prophet Isaiah. Um, and this is uh, Luke 4 verse uh, 18 and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And why Jesus came is spelt out in this passage that, that he read from Isaiah 61. When Jesus left earth uh, to go back to heaven, he handed his ministry over to us. So we're now partners with him in this. And the more we understand what Jesus came to do and to say and to be, then the more we're, we understand who the church is supposed to, to be and what, what her mission is. So Jesus is saying in this passage, this is what my ministry is all about. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me and these are the kind of things that I do. Now here's a question for you this morning. Where is the spirit of the sovereign Lord right now? It's on us. So the spirit that was on Jesus is the same spirit that is on the church today. Isn't that right? So the, the things that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on uh, the things that the spirit of the sovereign Lord uh, wants to do, or wanted to do through Jesus are, are the same things that, that he wants to do through us today. The difference is this. The spirit of God is not invested just in one person, just in Jesus. Now he's poured out in all his followers in Acts uh, 2. Um, it says, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on, on all people. So if you're a Christian, if you're part of the body of Christ, then the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. The Holy Spirit indwells you and together we all embody the ministry of Jesus. And this is really important to our thinking of church. To understand that we all have something to contribute to the ministry of Jesus. But we'll never have it all as a church if we don't all participate. Does that make sense? So in other words, if, if you don't give what you have into the pot and if I don't give what I have into the pot, then the pot is never going to be full. So none of us have all of the gifts, none of, none of us have the full embodied ministry of Jesus, but the whole body of Christ together does. And I think that's an incredible thought. 
We're a body made up of many parts that come together as a whole and we're meant to function together as one. Okay, so let's think about Jesus' mission, what was his mission and what was his ministry and therefore what is our mission and our ministry as a church. Um, and I want to read Isaiah 61, but before we do that, let's just, let's just pray. Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and it's active. Uh, and Father, just as we read your word again, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would come and take words that were written uh, many hundreds of years ago uh, and do something in our hearts that causes us uh, to change our thinking and also to change our actions. Uh, so God, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So Isaiah 61, uh, starting at verse 1, and this is a passage that's, that's very familiar. That's what where Jesus read from and look for. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now that's where Jesus stopped when, when he was reading uh, in the synagogue. Um, but listen to the rest of the text. So verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And listen to this next bit. I love this bit. They will become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor or his glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And if there was one thing that I I would love us all to come away thinking about today, it's this. It's this question. If the spirit of the sovereign Lord was set free in your life, or to put it corporately, uh, in your church, what would he do? If the spirit of the sovereign Lord was free, really free to do what he wanted, what would it be? And I think we find clues throughout this passage in Isaiah 61. And if we look through this passage, we'll find that there, there are six specific groups of people that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on Jesus to minister to. Therefore, the same applies to us, the church. And I believe that, that each of these areas tackles some form of poverty or social injustice that exists in our doorstep, in our community. And in identifying these areas, we can find ways of restoring dignity and reviving hope to people whose lives are broken, demonstrating God's love and compassion to those in emotional need and practical need and financial need. So let's dive in and take a look uh, to see who Jesus was talking about. Firstly, Jesus says his ministry was to the poor. Jesus is saying here, the first recipient of my ministry is the poor, and I'm going to proclaim some good news to them. And that is central to the activity of the church. Jesus understood that the Spirit of God rested in his life to make a difference in the lives of the poor in the community. It's not that Jesus eliminated or eradicated poverty, but his life was moved by compassion towards the lost, the lowest, and the least. And in the same way, the Spirit moves us towards tackling poverty and meeting the needs of those around us. If you read throughout the Bible, um, you'll find over 2,000 verses to do with poverty throughout Scripture. It's abundantly clear that God's heart is for the poor. The foundation of all compassion and care for the poor is God himself. Throughout the Bible, God consistently reveals himself as having a special concern for the poor. And the Bible repeatedly says that God works to uplift the poor and the oppressed. 
Even if we, if we look through history, historically, the church has always led the way in caring for the poor. Whether it's, uh, it's William Wilberforce pouring out his whole parliamentary career into outlawing slavery, um, or William Booth finding, finding the, the Salvation Army to reach the lost, the lowest and the least. It's what God's people have always done, but it's also what God's people have always wanted to do. And this was also true of the Apostle Paul, um, as he writes in Galatians, when uh, when Peter, James and John uh, set apart Paul and sent him, uh, commissioned him as the Apostle to the Gentiles, they only gave him one requirement in all that he did. And if you think about all the various points of theology that they could have raised, there was only one thing that they, they asked him to do. In Galatians 2 verse 10, Paul writes, the only thing they asked was that I continue to remember the poor. And then Paul responds and says, the very thing that I was eager to do, as if, of course. Uh, for me, Isaiah 58 is probably one of the clearest passages of what that should look like uh, practically. And I love, I love the, the, the message paraphrase. Uh, so Isaiah 58 verse 6, um, the message says, This is the kind of fast day that I am after. And this is God speaking. This is the kind of fast day I am after. To break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. And I love this passage because God clearly says, this is what I'm interested in seeing you do. <laughs> we couldn't get it more clear than that. And he even gives us this full list of practical ways that we can serve the poor. We can tackle injustice, oppression, exploitation and debt. We can feed the hungry, clothe the naked, house the homeless. All of these things are things that God is interested in seeing us do as we serve the poor. Uh, I love this quote. Someone once said, The church lives out its call most fully when it's a community of faith with arms wrapped about a community in pain. You see, church was never meant to be this members-only club, hiding away from the mess of the world. We were always meant to be right in the middle of the mess, revealing God's heart of love and compassion in, in the mess of people's lives. So that's why um, just a, a year or so into uh, to our church plant, um, back in, in December 2001, we held our Compassion Christmas dinner because we wanted to find a way as a church of engaging with people um, that, that were far from God but also were, were broken and struggling in life. We wanted to be and to bring them good news. And Patty is the result of that simple, simple decision. And from that, that Christmas dinner, um, over the last 10 years, many more projects um, were, were developed that responded to various needs that we encountered within our community of Coleraine. So we, we launched a food bank and a debt counselling centre, a clothing bank and a drop-in, a recovery support group, uh, a budgeting course, a job club, a supported volunteering work programme, counselling, supported housing, and even a social supermarket recently. <laughs> so so we've, we've been trying to identify needs within our, within our community that as a church we can step in and offer uh, a, a practical solution uh, to tackling poverty in Jesus' name. And from all of these projects, a platform of trust and respect has been built up in the community. And over all these years, many seeds of kindness have, have been sown in the community. And over time, uh, we've been able to see the fruit of that in lives changed as, as people receive the good news. The good news that God loves them, 
that God has a plan for their lives, but God also has all of the resources that they need for their lives to come back together again so that they can have a productive and a fruitful life. So Jesus' ministry was to the poor. The second recipient of of Jesus' ministry is the brokenhearted. And these are, are people who have had experiences in life that have shattered their heart and shattered their lives in such a way that they feel that they just, they can't pull it back together. And to those people whose life experiences have shattered them, the good news is this. Jesus says, I want to minister to the brokenhearted. I want to bind up their hearts. When we're shattered and we feel like our, our heart is in a million little pieces and we've no idea how to put it back together again, God says, I won't run away. I'm not put off by that. You're not too needy for me. I will draw near to you. I'll come close to you and I'll bind up your broken heart. Instead of being put off by our need, it says in Psalm 34 verse 18, God draws near to the broken hearted. And we often need to realize that the only way broken hearts get whole again is if God does it. Uh, people can be counseled and talked to and that is great, but only God can mend a broken heart. So we point people to God and we cry with them, we pray with them because we know that, that Jesus drew near to people in their brokenness and so do we and we bring the presence of God with us. Uh, in the early days, uh, for us as a, as a church, we had this value for compassion but we didn't have any vehicles um, and we'd done the Christmas dinner but we, we just were struggling with finding ways of engaging with people um, in the community. We knew that people were hurting and broken right across the community. We just didn't know how to effectively connect with them. Um, and the couple of projects we started with was our food bank, then our debt counselling. And I want to share a little story about Wendy um, and how God used those two projects um, to, to connect with her and bring healing to her broken heart. Uh, Wendy grew up in England, um, but uh, she had a very uh, a very troubled childhood with early childhood traumas. She was sexually abused as a child and suffered serious emotional abuse uh, from within her own family. Uh, to escape that, she, she got married only to discover uh, that, that she was going to be a victim of domestic violence. After uh, giving birth to a daughter, uh, within a couple of years she, she fled the home and got on a boat and landed in Dublin uh, and uh, went to a train station and, and had a look at the map to see the furthest point that she could get to and that was Corian <laughs> at the top of the map. Um, so she ended up in, in, in Corian, uh, but all of the abuse and the trauma that she'd experienced had, had caused severe mental health issues, and that ended up with Wendy being depressed, um, and as the years went on, she, she could barely hold down a job and ended up getting fired many times, uh, and it got to the point where uh, she, she actually, her mental health was so bad that she wouldn't, couldn't even leave her bedroom, and her daughter, um, through the help of neighbours, had to bring in food and leave it at the top of the stairs as, as she just, um, she'd shut down in so many ways. But during one of Wendy's better times, uh, a neighbour of hers uh, w- was struggling and, and needed to uh, to go to the food bank and Wendy agreed to, to go with her. Uh, and as they went to the food bank, we engaged with her and befriended her over a cup of coffee and a chat. Um, and we discovered that, that behind all of these issues, there was massive debt, and that was also uh, contributing to her mental health. So we, we got her to make an appointment with our, our cap debt counsellor, and um, Ian came out one day to meet with her. And he, he knocked the door, and as, as soon as Wendy opened it, he put out his hand and went forward to shake Wendy's hand. But Wendy recoiled, because 
all of the, the abuse and the negative things that she'd experienced were at the hands of men. And there, our male debt counsellor turned up at her door, thankfully with a female befriender. Um, and, uh, but they went in, they did all the, the paperwork and everything. At, and at the end of that time, Ian uh, started to share his testimony and how God had rescued him. Um, and asked Wendy, would, would she like to come to know Jesus? And to his surprise, she said yes. And she ended up praying with him, giving her life to Jesus. And as they finished praying, to Ian's shock and to Wendy's shock, she immediately got up and threw her arms around Ian and gave him this big hug. Just that first glimpse of healing um, starting in her broken heart. Uh, Wendy then um, uh, got involved in the church and uh, got baptised and she went on to get involved in our clothing bank, our warehouse team, and ended up even uh, eventually leading that team and just uh, speaking openly about how God had, had healed her broken heart and brought her hope uh, and, and a rescue. So we're, we're interested in seeing people become whole not just not just financially and practically, but physically and emotionally and spiritually. And Jesus' ministry is to the brokenhearted, where He wants to see, uh, wants to bind up their broken hearts. The next two recipients of, of Jesus' ministry are, are very both very similar. Um, he says, "Captives are recipients uh, of my ministry, and prisoners are also re- recipients." And I don't know what you imagine when when prisoners and captives are, are mentioned, but there are many captives, many prisoners in the world today. There's an estimated 40 million people who are victims of modern slavery, trapped in forced labour, forced sexual exploitation, with with around 10 million of them uh, children. So human trafficking is on the rise, and as a global church, we can make a stand to push for changes in legislation worldwide, but we can also bring an actual physical release to prisoners, and there's a number of amazing Christian charities that we can get involved in that do this incredibly well. But this isn't the only example of captives and prisoners. For example, addiction is becoming more and more of a problem. Uh, years ago, alcohol addiction was the main addiction people talked about, and everyone here's heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. But did you know that today there's over 125 different anonymous groups? From Alcoholics Anonymous to Narcotics Anonymous to Overeaters Anonymous. What does that say about our culture? It says people are addicted. There's prisoners and there's captives all around. People enslaved of various sins and addictions. And Jesus' spirit came to give us power over these, these kinds of addictions, these kind of habits in our lives. To the captives... God says, I bring to them freedom, freedom from whatever binds them and holds them back from, from being who I created them to be. And to the prisoners that are all around us physically, emotionally and spiritually, God says, I'm going to bring you release from darkness. I don't know what you picture when you hear, um, when, when you picture a prisoner, but uh, I, have a, I have a picture of a cold, dark, damp prison cell uh, with someone huddled in a corner. And for those that are are locked in dark, lonely places, all by themselves, not known, uh, with nobody knowing that they're there, uh, our response should be to ask God to to give us eyes to see people who are imprisoned. They might look no different to anyone else walking down the street, um, but we can ask God to give us eyes that see uh, people that are imprisoned so that we can offer them release from darkness in the power of his spirit, allowing God's light and his love to break into their dark lives. So just as Jesus cared for and helped the captives and the prisoners, so we partner him in this ministry, bringing them freedom and release from the things that hold them back in life. 
The next group of people that Jesus ministered to were the mourners. And mourners are those who, ex- who have experienced a deep sense of loss in their lives. If you've ever tried to help people that have experienced loss in their lives, you've probably discovered that even though you can sit with them, tell them things, share them for you know helpful books, or even your own experience with loss, you can point someone in the direction of healing. But only God can bring healing to a heart that has experienced a deep sense of loss. Those of you who have experienced um, losing parents or children or people that you've been close to, those things are deep, deep wounds that cause us to mourn because mourning is about loss. So what does Jesus promise these people? He promises comfort and gladness. Then Jesus says, even the despairing are recipients of my ministry. And you know who the despairing are? They're those who have lost hope. And to the despairing, uh, to those who are ready to give up on life where all hope is gone, Jesus promises to make them a people of praise, of true worship. In other words, he's going to change their outlook so that they have reason to praise him. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, The fullness of joy is found in his presence. And that is a wonderful promise. Because the more of God that you have in your life, the more joy you're going to have, even despite your circumstances. Of all the giants of poverty in our community, one that dominates our culture presently is debt. And one of the the most common causes of despair is debt. The majority of our, our debt clients were under huge emotional pressure from the weight of unmanageable debt. And we're dealing with stress, anxiety and depression. With the number of them uh, seriously considering taking their own life or having, having actually attempted to. Uh, we came across a, a guy a couple of years ago uh, called Russell who had a gambling addiction. And that had led to the breakdown of his marriage with him losing his home, his driving license and his job. When we first met him, he'd been living in a derelict house for two years with no heat, no electricity, no running water or toilet facilities. And he was living on handouts with no income. He was in debt and he was in despair, completely without hope. I don't know if the video... Is working? No? Let me share a little of Russell's story. Russell came to us um, one Monday morning because he'd heard that we we offered debt counselling. And uh, he actually got through the gate, came up to our door, had his hand on the handle of the door and turned away because of the weight of shame that he felt he just couldn't go through with asking for help. But um, later that day, um, he spoke to someone that, in his words, chased him back <laughs> down uh, to get help. And, and that day, um, we were able to make an appointment for debt counselling, and he was able to, to get some food and emergency essentials. But um, to cut a very long story short, by the end of that week, he'd, he'd got his benefits uh, sorted, and uh, he'd actually got started to, to receive benefits. Um, he'd made a, an application for a housing programme. Uh, he'd come along to our drop-in and our our Link Logs mentoring program, which is a, a work program, um, and uh, by the end of the second week, he'd given his life to Jesus, uh, and and actually the person that led him to Jesus broke all of our rules and ended up bringing him home to his house, and uh, he, he stayed he stayed there until uh, our uh, our housing program was ready to uh, to take him in. But Russell, um, after coming to faith, got baptized last year. He he spent the year doing a. Um, a year program called Encounter School of Mission where he led many people to faith uh, and during that time he was still living in our compassion housing program and, and he was working he became debt free, learned how to budget and manage his money and, and learned all of these different life skills uh, and now at the end of that program he's actually moved out um, from from our housing program into, into more permanent accommodation um, and we now employ him as a delivery driver for a little social enterprise that we run called Link Log so he delivers logs in a, in a lorry all around 
or around the country. Uh, and, and the difference in his life was incredible. When we first met Russell, he was, he was despairing and he was considering taking his own life. But now he has hope and he's actively sharing that hope with others around him. I mentioned the quote earlier, the church lives out its call most fully when it's a community of faith with arms wrapped about a community of pain. So these are, are six specific groups of people that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on Jesus to minister to. The poor and the brokenhearted, the captives and the prisoners, the mourners and the despairing. And I'm going to hand back to Jack. Um, and after uh, another time of worship, I'm going to wrap up and, and give a bit of our response to, to what we've looked at so far.